Welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we explore the human side of the superhuman feats of endurance swimmers and those who support them. I'm marathon swimmer and coach, Shannon Keegan. Before I meet with each guest at Marathon Swim Stories, I request a few pictures and a short personal bio. To see these, be sure to check out the new MarathonSwimStories.com. It's still a work in progress, but promises to be a central, searchable, linkable repository for all of the Marathon Swim Stories. Prior to meeting with Kim Rutherford, she said to me, let me see if I can find the picture of me as a kid. It's how I feel every time I'm in the water. And I could feel her childlike enthusiasm as she tells us about tackling each of her childhood dream swims over the last six years. While some of us dance around it, Kim is forthcoming about her competitive nature and is quick to acknowledge the desire to be the first, the oldest, the fastest, in a sport where the water is open and we just have to seize the opportunities before us. Kim sure makes it sound easy to look past the walls you hit during a big undertaking, but selflessly attributes her dogged determination to everyone who's made her swims possible. I hope you enjoy Kim's story. Kim, what's your story? (laughs) That's how I open it up, and then it's you. (laughs) How did you start swimming? We'll start there. Uh, I started swimming when I was probably five. and I was the youngest of two, so I had an older sister. And it was one of those irritating, like, me too, me too, I can do it, I can do it, kind of. Yeah, I started at the YMCA um, in regular kid swim classes. And the instructor was a guy named Red, who was a big kind of military older guy with red hair and freckles. And he was just really, you know, full of life. He was my dad's swim instructor. You know, it was a good memories, definitely good memories there. Where was that at that you grew up? Oh, so I grew up in uh, Santa Cruz County. Okay. So I'm third generation Santa Cruz County. Yeah. Awesome. Did you swim competitively at all? I did. I started when I was six. My sister was eight, probably about a year and a half apart. She was about eight and under, I think. And um, she did it. So, you know. Me too. Me too. Me too. I can do it. Yeah. But she was like a swimmer, like a pool swimmer body, you know, tall and big shoulders and long legs. And I was kind of like a little miniature, you know, Michelin man, like tens and just, you know, not a clue, no finesse, just wanted to do it. Yeah. When did you get to the, um, did you swim in college or anything like that? I didn't. I swam, let's see, I swam competitively till I was probably, let's see, junior high on the team, <clears throat> excuse me, and then in high school a little bit. Um, but at 16, I lived by myself and I was no longer swimming. So mm-hmm. I was working. Mm, wow. yeah. So I took up swimming again when I was 
uh, I went to college, I think it was 24, 25. And that was like one of the first things I signed up for. Okay. Yeah. Had you done much open water swimming or anything at this point? When I was a kid, so my dad would take us, you know, in the water. My mom didn't swim at all. Didn't don't get her hair wet. My dad would take us water skiing and surfing and, um, yeah, he was our, you know, he'd race us across those little kidney shaped pools, you know, <laughs> dive in and be across and we'd, ah, no, I'm going to beat you, you know? So that was kind of, that was my uh, connection to having fun swimming was my dad and my sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When did you start pushing distances in open water? So, um, I always, since I was about five, I wanted to swim across Monterey Bay. My grandparents had bought a house that was at New Brighton Beach. And so that's the most Northern spot of Monterey Bay. And um, you can see Monterey across from there. And, you know, I didn't have a clue. I was just, there it was like a lot of open water swimmers, you know, you go somewhere and they get like, oh, let's swim over there. there. (laughs) Look, there's something over there, you know? Um, so that was always in my, um, goal, life goals was to swim across and, you know, I'm not, I finally realized like in my twenties, I started swimming and started pushing the distance. And it was, it was pretty funny. I had that vision of not having to, for instance, the first open water swim I did was a 10 K. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, most people did around the pier here. That was like the weekend after the pier to pier. So I did the pier to pier first. Um, and I went down to meet a group that does um, open water swimming at the time. And they were swimming in Capitola around the little buoys, which are about maybe 200 yards apart. <laughs> and uh, I get there eating a slice of pizza pepperoni oh I'll never forget the heartburn and they looked at me like I was nuts and like you're eating right now I'm like I'm starving I just came from work or whatever and we hop in to swim I go how far are we going oh down to the third buoy back that far they're like you want to swim the pier to pier I'm like oh well I get in and swim there right now I know I can but I, we're going to swim all the way to that buoy you know all 600 yards or whatever it was oh my god so um that was kind of like my first, like learning how to add distance. Um, Suzanne Reidinger, who was, uh, is a tremendous open water woman here in Santa Cruz County was one of the gals I swam with. And um, Cindy Cleveland uh, was a good friend of hers. I met Cindy through her. And so Cindy, if you don't know, Cindy's the first person who swam across Monterey Bay. Okay. And she's the first person to swim around Catalina. Okay. She's just like amazing water woman. Um, so uh, Suzanne was training for across the bay at that time. So I would see her at SoCal High Pool and I would get information from her on like what it takes. And they were both adamant. You need to swim Anacapa. You need to swim Catalina before you ever swim across Monterey Bay. And I was like, oh, that seems like a lot of swimming to do. So I... I kind of got hooked with a group of people from here. We swam and we did Golden Gate. We did 
uh, Huntington Beach had a 10 mile swim and uh, we did that. And so there was, there was a few years of building up and doing some long swims. And then I felt like, oh, I kind of need a break. I'm tired of being wet, like doubles. And I was teaching swimming and working my other job. And I just never felt like I was dry. And so um, I took a break uh, for a while and uh, I ended up racing uh, bikes on the velodrome. So oh, I had a passion for bikes as a kid, I used to ride to practice. So I did that. And um, ironic while I was there in England, Manchester um, for the bikes, I just kept thinking, how can I get to Dover? I wanna see what that looks like. Like that was like a thing, like I had special swims built up over the years that I really wanted to do. And um, that was definitely one of them, which has not happened yet. As you all know, it's so expensive. So yeah, uh, yeah on the bottom of the list. But um, so I, I rode bikes for a few years, but I always swam and I always kind of coached and taught swimming since high school. And then um, I did a little trail running after cycling just you're a lot more fit for that kind of cardiovascular than swimming long distance <laughs> and uh so I did that for a while I really liked it I had an Australian shepherd and so she would run with me she loved it and uh, and then I you know refocused back on getting across Monterey Bay so the original dream was like when I was really old and I turned 40 I would swim across the bay well <laughs> uh, so it I was 50 something, 50 something, six, maybe five, something like that. I can't remember how long ago it was when I finally did it. 14. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was 2014 that I was reading. (laughs) 57 or something. I was old. (laughs) I was like really old, not 40 old. Not old at all. So, so you'd set your sights on it as a kid. You did this tour in England on bikes. You came back to some trail running. I'm trying to figure out. I guess we'll stick with the swimming. I, I'm interested oh, yeah, in all that though. <laughs> so you come back in, but in your so you, are you still coaching and still in the in around the water? So it's easy to just kind of pick it back up after this detour yes. with biking and trail running. Okay. Yeah. So I was. Yeah. So I definitely was still connected. Um, uh, I was a 911 dispatcher for over 30 years. So I retired from that a couple of years ago now, at least. And I was able to like do more in swimming. Mm-hmm. My, my kind of career goal, which if anybody coaches, you know, you can't afford to coach for a living. Uh, <laughs> is I um, always wanted to have, like when I was younger, I would have loved to have open water swimming. We didn't really have it. There was junior guards in Santa Cruz. I lived in South County. So there was no, there was no such thing for me. Um, but I really uh, went down to some su- Southern uh, California open water swims and they had everything from eight year old kids to, you know, adults doing all these huge events. So I, I really focused on, I wanted to do a kid's team of open water swimming and take them down South to see what, how cool that was. Um, so that they had an option. Like if somebody wanted to do it, I would be there help them. Um, so uh, when I, right before I retired, I was coaching a lot of masters and then, um, I did private lessons as I retired. And then, um, the head coach from Quicksilver swim team out of Santa Cruz branch 
uh, approached me and asked me to do some coaching for the kids. So um, I said, okay. So we sat down. I said, look, I'm working full time. I teach private. Like, I don't want to overcommit. Keyword there. And uh, <laughs> so I started coaching the kids for him. Uh, age group, probably about six, about 12, a couple classes, a couple days a week. Um, and then once I retired, I did a little more. <clears throat> and then once the pandemic hit, um, where I taught private lessons and stuff, I was completely shut out. So there was no contact. I was a contractor. Like I couldn't get, they still, they have the pool closed again this week there mm-hmm. because they don't have staffing. And, um, they haven't allowed anything more than scheduled lap swim there for 45 minutes. But Quicksilver, Lucas uh, was able, we had a private pool we worked out at for the kids and I have done nothing but add stuff to it. Um, He let me start a a letter, months and months of letters to the governor, to our health director, um, some, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Dot orgs, um, petitions. Mm -hmm. Uh, I started uh, getting trying to get pools open. Um, and we got a brand new pool at SoCal High, 16 lane, 25 yard pool open. And so I started a master's program there and we have 96 slots open and, and full as of a million spreadsheets that I finally finished last night. So we've been going, <laughs> um, adding a couple per month for the last three months now. Wow. And wow. so, um, that's been great during the summer when we couldn't get um, uh, laying time and we couldn't get the kids in the pool. Uh, he let me coach them in the ocean. Yay. And so I finally had, so we had a little time trial thing and um, got kids used to the ocean. Catherine Breed came out, gave a talk to the kids, which was great. Um, yeah. So that's, that's like work for me. The thing that opened my heart to teaching swimming uh, when I was in high school, kind of like the ROP programs or whatever, we had a chance to work at a school called Duncan Holbert that is Holbert, that is um, for severely um, intellectually and physically uh, other abled uh, children. And um, I get checked up every time. It was an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. And um, they had a great little indoor pool. And um, anyway, that that really had me focused on trying to, I, uh, the original goal was to teach in my backyard and to have right. that available. That didn't quite happen, but that's okay. Because when I leave the pool, I'm, I'm done and then I come home and it's separate. So right. that's my yeah. job stuff. That's yeah. your job. Yeah. I love that you share that passion with people. So, uh, um, okay, we'll come back to that. I want to get back to Monterey Bay. So in 2014, you decide you're finally going to pursue this thing. You have this history of maybe having done some long stuff before, but you walked away from it for a little while and you come back and you decide to recommit to swimming across Monterey Bay. How does, how does that go? Um, so it took about five, five years. So I did Anacapa. I trained a year for Anacapa, did Anacapa. Then I trained um, the next consecutive year for uh, Catalina and did that. Um, and then I trained for Monterey Bay. And so <clears throat> the date that I had, so it was different then, like you had a date that was the day because the boat and I had people coming from out of town and 
So we had had a drought that year. So of course that day there was, you know, 40 foot swell or whatever out in the bay. And, you know, there was, it was a no go. So um, that was really hard and figuring out how to come down off of not being able to something you've wanted for so long and then really physically trained for a specific um, that was a hard one. And I just kind of had to like, let it go and focus on the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend, Patty Ballenfine, who, uh, also swam it. She, um, the year I did Catalina, she tried her first year at Monterey Bay. She got, uh, hers, she got stopped partway with jellyfish. Mm-hmm. But then the second year, same thing. She tried more jellyfish, wasn't working for her. She had, she had uh, allergic reaction really bad. Then the next year, um, again, same thing, no rain all year, 20th, 21st of of September, boom, huge storm at sea. Um, It got canceled again. Two years in a row. Wow. Yeah. It never stood, stepped foot in the water even. (sighs) And um, uh, Patty tried again and I was on her boat. And every time I was on the boat, you know, it was really great to be able to see the bay in different parts that you don't, it's so huge, you know, you don't get a chance necessarily to see it. So, um, and again, same thing with her, it was, you know, jellies and storm and she didn't make it either. So the following year, her fourth year and my third year, I picked a different day. (laughs) I went to, um, not really thinking about it, but I picked a a September 5th and, um, uh, Patty picked the week earlier and I was able to be on her boat and watch her finish. And that was great inspiration for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, and we always have Cindy on the phone when one of us does a crossing. So um, it's kind of nice that like, we felt like we were all there for it. Um, we got ready to do my swim I, and I trained back up again. And this is anywhere from, you know, um, 130 to 150,000 uh, yards a month, like a month, like a huge wow. amount of buildup. So um, there was uh, this, we normally have a, um, a current that runs from the north from Alaska, it comes down the coast and it kind of goes into the bay and it gets really weird right over the canyon. So it doesn't really matter what direction that canyon is just kind of like a mess and then it spits you out kind of on the other side. So about two weeks before the swim, my buddy Scott Tapley, he's like, like numbers guy and well, he's really good. Everybody so, needs one of those, right? <laughs> yeah, everybody needs a Scott. And um, so he had been looking at it and um, we'd been talking to the boat captain, Jim, and said, you know, there's a south current that's running on the outside of Monterey and let's keep an eye on it. There's no one had gone from Monterey to Santa Cruz. Everybody had gone, you know, kind of with the current, so to speak. So we kept an eye on it. And, um, you know, there's that thing in open water swimming, like there's the fastest, there's the oldest, there's this, that, but there's always like the first. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so all of a sudden, you know, I got competitive and I'm like, mm, the first. So, uh, we talked for, for about three days before the swim, we talked with the crew. I sent emails, said, you know what? We might end up going from Monterey. And um, 
so it was really up to the last minute. We were at the boat ready to start the swim and I wanted to start at nine o'clock at night. I'm not a fast swimmer, anywhere from 30, 35 at that time, 30 minute miles, kind of consistently for my Anacapa Catalina, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So um, we were about six hours out from where the timing uh, was being posted of the currents. So it was kind of a guess on, you know, if it was still going to hold. Um, so we talked to the boat captain. I said, well, what do you think? And he goes, well, if there was ever a day, like, we're going to Monterey. <laughs> so we, um, I had an Avon, um, Joel was in the Avon. So he trailered that down. Steve Holberg took that down for him. Um, we got on the boat and we motored across to Monterey. The only problem with that was, well, two problems. Um, <laughs> one, we lost two hours time of start time. So oh. now it wasn't till 11 at night by the time I got in the water. And the big thing for Monterey Bay is the winds in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. That's really the jellyfish and the winds. It isn't like swimming in San Francisco where you have an ebb and a flood. It's, you know, it's pretty specific on the canyon gets rough. It doesn't matter how fast you are, it slows you down. And then the winds at the end, if you're not fast enough to get ahead of them. Mm-hmm. So we started in Monterey and um, always expect the unexpected. So I was not expecting to get cold ever. I don't get cold. I've done an ice mile. I thought, oh, I could do two of those. <laughs> and I got stung so many times at the beginning. Oh. Most of the jellies are right off the end, like, like thick in Amy Goodser's video you can really see them but I was at night and um I there was all this I don't know if I'm saying it right salt salt they're like these wet noodles it's so disgusting (laughs) there's a ton of those they're like a jelly and they're just gross you just like picking them up by the handfuls so I swam through that and then I got stung so many times it did lower my I was cold like my skin was really cold and I thought oh Gosh. And this is the beginning. This is two And that was the beginning. Said. Like I'm still in the lights of Monterey. I'm still like in the cove thinking, oh, I'm kind of screwed here. <laughs> so um, I got some really bad leg cramps up the back of my uh, legs. And um, so I just tried to focus on, you know, the moment, not, not how far I had to go. Exactly. Yeah. That's the um, best part for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then... Um, the you know, leg cramps went away, the sun came out, that whole bit. And then Moss Landing, like, is a kind of the middle-ish. And then you can see the, the stacks. It's an energy plant. And um, it never moved. Like, it didn't move. Like, it seemed like the whole time, like, oh, there's Moss Landing. No, it's way, way there. My, my, um, the weather and conditions were pretty monochrome, just kind of gray everywhere. Mm. There wasn't really much going on. We never got in the current. The current was on the outside of the bay. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Oh, well. So we never got it. So um, we got the wind. It was beautiful. I mean, it was amazing over the canyon. There, It was so clear. There were these little pink jellies that looked like glass. They were just wow. so beautiful floating underneath me in the water. You know, there's, we got some pictures of uh, a few, well, they did, of some of the, you know, how it comes 
really becomes lively right over the canyon. Like everything you wanted to see is just like everywhere. Wow, um, that sounds amazing. Uh, and then, you know, then we got caught in the wind because we started late and now I'm going against the current. I'm not, there's no push at all. And so they kind of took me in towards shore to kind of try and get the top of our, top of the bay is like this and it comes down. So as we're going here, they're trying to kind of go mm -hmm. here so we can go like that a little, a little bit. sheltered or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't think anything about you. Oh, my arm, all these little things, I forget. Um, <laughs> my left shoulder went and I, I couldn't lift it. Oh, and, no. and so they were trying to find, you know, the, the Advil and whatever. And I was really bonking. It was just before dark, but I love swimming in the dark. So I know a lot of people, as it gets dark, they kind of slow down. And so, but for me, I get relaxed. And hmm. that's when I really love to swim. So, um, the sun was starting to set. They finally found the Ibu, the Advil or whatever and um, Coca-Cola. <laughs> better than a flat Coke. And so um, my buddy Scott was paddling at the time. He's like, it was like you had just started to swim. Like mm. completely, it was like the beginning of the swim all over again. <laughs> wow. So with the Advil um, and, uh, and the Coke was great because as my shoulder couldn't come out, I'm like, you know, you've read stories. I've read stories of people that finish the swim with one arm. And I'm like, I'm not getting out. I'm not, this is not, it's not happy. You're going to have to chase me down. And Joel is going around in the Avon. I'm thinking, no, don't look at me. <laughs> I thought it's, I've got to get that fixed. So anyway, it got fixed and we swam in. Um, they kept telling me things that like, we're kind of disorienting because I didn't understand. They're like, look, there's UCSC, which is a high point above Cowles Beach, which is by the harbor, which is kind of where we were headed. And um, I, uh, you're at the mile buoy. Well, the mile buoy is not a mile off shore, by the way. No, <laughs> it is not, especially their direction I was going. And so I was kind of disoriented and confused at the end. I never really felt cold at once I warmed up after the stings, the uh, even when I got out. I wasn't oh, wow. old. Um, we got to shore and Scott got in with me for the last time a mile or whatever it was. And I didn't know where, I thought we were at Kells because they were changing directions. Oh, wow. And, um, and we started swimming in and we were getting swept. And then I realized we were at the Harbor jetty. Mm. And I, oh, okay. So, so then we swam away from the jetty because it was sucking us in like to the left shoulder and we had to go straight in. And so, um, of course, it was a massive swell and um, shore pound. And so Scott was really funny. He's like, okay, you ready? I go, yeah. I said, just tell me when to go. Because it's dark. now it's dark, it's dark out. Yeah. And the lights on the beach are in your face. So now you can't see anything. So Scott's like, <laughs> he goes, okay, sprint. And I just completely stop. Are you kidding? <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. You know? <laughs> so I wait through the sets and... So finally he's like, okay, ready, go. So I go and I go to swim in and um, they have a picture of me. So I'm body surfing in, land on my feet. And then the short pound was so big. It went way up the beach. I had to walk forever. <laughs> I was like a zombie with my arms out, like trying to see. And then I see the dry sand. And for me, it's like, it's, it was like a cliff, right? But it was up to almost my thighs, I think. And I had oh. to step up onto that. And I was like, 
<laughs> I, and I was expecting just Marta, my friend Marta on the beach with the dry towel. And in my head, I envisioned that she didn't have my stuff because now we had changed directions. So she's got a crusty old towel. There's people at the restaurant. I don't want them to see me in a bathing suit. I just want the crusty old towel. So that was my vision of getting out, like how it was going to be. It was, I was not expecting there was tons of people on the beach. Oh, really? Tons yeah. of people on the beach. And so people are yelling, get back, don't touch her, get back. You know, it, it was really, um, it was very heartfelt to see, like once I realized, but you're still kind of out of it. I saw one of my coworkers. I'm like, oh, Mark, why are you here? You have to go to work at six in the morning. So like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, when you say ridiculous things. And um, so that was kind of my experience. I mean, I, um, they got me in the car and I came home and I took, <laughs> I took a shower and I'm looking, I'm looking at the wall in the bathroom and I'm thinking, God, I need to paint. How did I miss all those spots with the roller? Like, why are there, God, Kim, you know? And then I'm, I tell my friend, get me some more, uh, get me some Benadryl and um, the dish, the uh, Dawn dishwashing liquid to get that. I, I didn't use lanolin, but I use a uh, little bit of Vaseline. She comes in the shower and she goes, oh God, are you going to stay like that? Because I was just covered in the jelly stinks. I'm like, well, I have a fat barb, thanks. But so I get all done with that. And a friend of mine's a nurse. So he stayed at the house with me and I, I go to bed. I'm kind of all propped up and my son, come, well, he had opened the door, my poor child. And I see him, I go, oh, hey, buddy. He goes, hey, mama. I go, what's all over your face? And he goes, mom, you know, because there's people there. I felt so bad. I go, oh, it's okay, buddy. So what I don't realize at that time is I am hallucinating like there's no tomorrow. Oh. (laughs) Any better than any like 1960s drug possible. I get into bed and my friend Jeff comes in. I go, oh, wow. Oh, my God. So I have all white sheets comforter whatever and there's this green and blue paisley print moving about in the covers <laughs> and I look at my friend Jeff I go oh wow don't move you have like these tribal tattoos like <laughs> everywhere on his it's no hair here so he's like here and and there and I go oh Ryan Ryan buddy and I yell for my son to come in I go I'm hallucinating that's what's on your face I go look just me right there oh wow you know it's like oh my gosh anyway so that was that, but I was so swollen from the salt. I had to, um, I had to sit up really to sleep because I couldn't swallow. So my buddy Jeff was there. Yeah. To, you know, just to make sure that everything went okay with that. But that was like my first big, um, hallucin- I had had hallucinations before. I don't know if you guys have, but I, I definitely had them on Catalina where my buddy Scott was paddling and I was like, God, why is he wearing cowboy boots with those shorts? <laughs> You know, awesome range yeah 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 but anyway that was kind of that was Monterey Bay so it was good and and it was a beautiful swim yeah, yeah. 22 hours wow yeah Man, that's it's a long swim how was what was the water temp roughly oh it was uh like the same as my stroke rate pretty much so 58 to 61 <laughs> wow. yeah, stroke rate, water rate it was all about the same yeah wow what do you think drives you to push? Um, yeah, well, so let's see. I want to ask that question too, but so what did it feel like? So you finished this swim, you've wanted to do it since you were a kid. How did mm-hmm. that feel? 
Um, Other than the hallucinating and stuff, like after yeah. the fact, when you could take a straight. But it doesn't, it didn't, it didn't really sink in like it did a little bit, but it's still, Scott did a little video. And um, every time I see it, I get choked up because I don't really, it's like hard to believe that that really happened. Mm-hmm. Like, because it was like a childhood dream and not so much like the peer to peer or the 10 miler that I did, or um, I did Mercer Island, which was a great swim. Um, that w- those weren't childhood dreams, but this one, no, so I've done three that, that have been childhood dreams, Monterey Bay being one of them. And those are just different. Those are like surreal for me. Still, like I watch the video and cry. Every time I hear the pixies, like, you know, where's my mind? I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) So that's kind of how that, it still feels like that today. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, What do you think drives you to push distances? Like, like swimming or like wanting to go the, be the first to swim the reverse Monterey Bay or. Um, God, I, you know, it's that competitive little thing. Like I did it. I did it first. Yes. I was like that as a kid. I did archery as a kid. I beat all the boys. I loved it. Motorcycles, you know, um, tennis. I tried so not, so, so not coordinated as a child or adult. I'm much better in the water than most land sports. Um, but it just, I, I've always been driven to like, if I'm going to do something, uh, whether it's work or play or whatever, I'm kind of driven to do it the best I possibly can. Mm-hmm. So when you get to that point in the open water swims where it's painful or whatever, <clears throat> there's always the point afterwards, you know, your back goes out and you feel like you, how am I going to get to the next feed? And, you know, a lot of coaches will tell you, you know, some to the next feed kind of thing. But um, for most, all but two of my swims, um, I've gone through those processes where it's like, okay, your back hurts right now. What's going to hurt at the next feed? Count your strokes. I don't sing. I don't like big fanfare on the boats. I love the fact that I'm alone in the water. Um, Part of it's, you know, I was single mom forever, always busy. 911 dispatcher, constant chaos. So when I'm in the water, it's different for me than a lot of people. Um, I I am really doing it for myself. Like it's a goal that I have to see how far I can push myself, you know, or a dream of a goal, that kind of thing. Um, And so every time you pass those little points and in big open water swims, it's probably about seven hours ish when, um, you hit one of your biggest walls and you're just praying, God, tell me they're going to pull me out. <laughs> Please pull me out, you know? And then you go through your mind, especially once you've, you've gone through the process of these big swims of, okay, I'm there. Now the next part I get to is, you know, whatever that it is, you know, it's my shoulder's going to hurt again or um, that, you know, it's going to get cold or it's going to be something pleasant, like, <clears throat> excuse me, the sun coming out or, you know, so I think um, I, I was really trying to train for the Fairlawns right after the Monterey Bay swim because I really had up my yardage and it just wasn't financially feasible. Mm. You no, know, it just was to give it a try to see if I could do it. Um, a lot of the swims are just really pricey. I've had some very sweet 
wonderful friends that have done amazing things from putting me up, giving me airplane miles, um, you know, doing things in tandem. Um, I've been gifted a lot. I am so grateful um, because I've been able to pursue a lot of my swims because of, of other people um, just being very generous. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times I think of them while I'm swimming and, mm-hmm. and, you know, they've given me this, how could you ever even think of quitting? Like they yeah. have, you know, um, yeah. those are some of the things that definitely drive me. Yeah. Um, and I love the after, even if you're not hallucinating afterwards, when you're so <laughs> exhausted that you yeah. can't sleep. Yeah. It's like <laughs> the best thing. It's like, oh, I just did something. Like I can feel it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For a little, for, for a little while after. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that, that swim, that, that feeling of not being able to sleep afterwards. It's, it's something else. <laughs> being so exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, you said there was three swims that you've done that were childhood dreams. We've got one of them. What are the other? Yeah. Um, the Manhattan. Okay. Uh, and uh, I did that whenever I don't know, a few years ago. And that was, uh, I'd love to do that one again. You know, that's an amazing swim, but the, the thing that triggered me, I think it was probably about, I don't know, eight, maybe eight or nine where I saw photos of people swimming in Manhattan and it's just such an odd thing to see that the water is right at the bottom of the buildings kind of mm-hmm. look, where <laughs> the buildings look like they're coming out of the water. And it's, it was, it really stuck in my mind that I was like, okay, I want to do, I want to, I want to see what that looks like. I want to be in the water and look up at those buildings that they, that they, um, you know, swam. So um, I, I did that and it was, I had really, I, for a few years, I had really bad problems with leg cramps. And I know I've talked to a few other people that have had them as well. So I do finally have those under control, but I had a really bad time in Manhattan and uh, Mercer Island, both of those where if I kicked, and I'm a kicker, if I mm. kicked at all, my legs would start to cramp. Yeah. If I got to a certain speed, I would have to hold it. If I sprinted any more than that, I would have leg cramps. I sat up to eat. It was just like a battle. Um, I still loved both of those swims, but it was, um, it took away from part of the enjoyment, definitely physically where you feel like you're really swimming through, you're working through the water versus just trying to figure out your body to make it. It was a different kind of swim. Yeah. 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 Okay. um, The last, the last one was uh, Juan de Fuca. Yeah. So that I was, um, again, I think I was like, I think I was eight. I have a photo, um, actually going to do an interview with, um, um, a a library from uh, San Juan Island, uh, next month about the swim. And, um, we had gone on a family reunion, went with my grandparents to Port Angeles and my sister was with me and we um, went clam digging. Like I don't eat shellfish. Like then I didn't eat any fish, but let alone like clams. It was disgusting. And um, so I was bored and I could see a crust. And so I told my sister, like, hey, hey, what do you think? Let's, let's swim. You want to swim? You want to swim? Look, it's like it's right there. And uh, mom, mom, can we swim? No, you know, mom, mom, can we swim? No. Oh. And there's, you know, tankers going by and like, no, I want to go over there. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, so 
after I did, I think it was, it was definitely after like Anna Kappa or Catalina Monterey, like after one of those swims and you start looking up, oh, what is there out there? Yeah. Um, I saw it was a thing. Like people went from Port Angeles to Canada. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was, you know, I was focused on that. I'm like, okay. And um, I trained for it. Um, a friend of mine and her husband have the boat which is an amazing boat. I had my own little bedroom and it was great. Yeah. And they are out of um, upper Washington, like almost Canada up there on the the other side. So um, uh, I had not been back to Port Angeles since I was a kid. Um, I hadn't been on a trip with my sister since that trip when we were kids. Mm, And so um, she went with me. And so my friend Terry and her husband, Chris, um, gifted me the piloting of the boat, the boat, the whole shebang. It was amazing. And um, we uh, started to motor across and the fog was so thick, you know, I kind of had a window. And so they gave us a start time or whatever. And we wanted to get to Port Angeles, spend the night and then start the next morning. And um, Chris was like, you know what, I don't, I don't know that we're going to get to Port Angeles because once we go around the corner here, the fog's always thicker. And if, and we could barely see in front of us as it was. And I said, you know what, just getting here to this point, this is good enough for me. Like, I'm not going to feel like I didn't get something done because of getting to this point meant enough to me. And, um, we got around the corner and uh, we just kind of skittled around and next thing you know, the fog lifted and we got to Port Angeles. Wow. And um, so um, we, there was, again, the hallucinations are hilarious. There, <laughs> they were parked in the harbor there. And then there's a yacht across from it. Like, a, like we're on a yacht, but that's like a yacht yacht, like multiple bedrooms or whatever, right? And so, and so I'm like, wow, it's, we go to dinner and I'm like checking it out and that's pretty cool, you know? And, and, uh, and Chris had an amazing boat, like on the fly, the fly deck, I think you call it top, like he was up there and there's, you know, the, I mean, it was a huge boat, like, you know, uh, but anyway, so we started in the morning and I had trained for this. Like I had trained hours and hours, five coves death, like a bunch of the cold stuff up in the city, mm. a bunch of stuff here, 48 degree water. You guys go ahead. I'm good. You know, over and over. So I was ready for it, but about, but here the water kept getting warmer. And then, um, Angel Moore was doing a swim down South from here, from Santa Cruz. And, um, it's kind of like Monterey Bay, but it's smaller. And I can't believe the name is right now anyway the water was like 54 I think um and I hadn't been able to get in cold water for a couple of months so I called Scott and Rob and I go I'm going in the morning if anybody wants to go road trip and so they both were game and so we went down and of course we get there and it's like 60 degree water and we ended up in uh uh Avila Avila Beach we ended up at Avila Beach and it was cooler actually it was colder there um so we just I cruised like three hours and was like okay this is nothing but it definitely wasn't 48 
Mm. And I knew, you know, I had 48 to 51 conditions, 51 being like on the very outside, warm water up in uh, the strait. So we got up there. And so I went to get off the boat. And I, like I mentioned, I'd done the ice swim before. And that's when you touch the water in an ice swim, like you immediately don't think, oh, this is cold because your thought process is gone. You just freeze over. It's a, it's a tingling, weird sensation of the water being like so cold, you're numb. And when I got off the boat and got in the water up there, that happened. Mm. And I thought, can you swear on, can you swear on here? Can I swear on here? Sure. Yes? Okay. <laughs> Usually it comes out of my mouth. And I got in the water, I thought, I'm fucked. Yeah. I don't know how this is going to work. And I swam in and um, it's kind of like rocks. It was kind of hard to get out. And I had to completely rethink the swim. And that swim was like doing the ice swim for 10 and a half hours. Oh my gosh. I could not think during the swim. So I'm, I swim straight and um, uh, I had forgotten to take my Advil. So as soon as I got back to the boat, I said Advil, they got the Advil ready. First feed, I had Advil and we started swimming. And I, on most of the swims, you're kind of looking around, you know, where are we? Can I see anything? How far have we got? Like you have time to think. When you're that cold, you don't have time to think. Right, no. So there was no thinking. It was just one, one time after another. So I was like warm water, warm water for my feeds. Um, my feeds changed, of course, dramatically. I was worried about leg cramps because of the cold. Um, and then I felt guilty because the first part of the swim, once I kind of got out of that, um, it was still cold, but it didn't have that ice in my, you know, thinking about the ice mm-hmm. in my head. Um, I thought, I'm so lucky. The water's flat. Yeah. And I was flying. Yeah. I was tapered. I, w- I had a good current. We had, we had adjusted it for, I think, 35 minute miles. And thinking I'd go between 35 and 40 minute miles, depending on which way the current was going and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, Scott and then Tapley and then Chris, the boat captain had worked with me on it, um, on a map and trying to decide how to make that route because Juan de Fuca is like Monterey Bay as far as there's not that many people that have done it. So there isn't a lot of um, information on where best to start. Um, mm-hmm. Michelle right. Macy had done it the year before. And she's so fast and she just got in the wrong part of the current, right? And then got into the channel and they had to pull her and you don't have a choice. Yeah. So I, I told Chris, I said, no matter what, let me go out to sea. Let's get the first ebb and just take me as far out as we can go before mm-hmm. it turns. So I have a better chance of not ending up in the channel. Mm-hmm. I don't care how long I'm in there. So, um, so that was the strategy. And I ended up going so fast in the first part, we were able to get really far out. Um, and the sun came up and um, Terry kept yelling at me, she was, you're swimming crooked. So afterwards, when we analyzed it, I was trying to swim into the sun to get warm. Oh. Like I would turn into it to get warm. But once she kind of broke my concentration to like focus. Um, and then, you know, again, that whole thing in my head, like, at one point I, I looked up, I go, is that Canada? I go, yeah. And I go, fuck yes, <laughs> it's right there. Okay. You know, and that was kind of it. And the rest of the time 
there were some little tiny jellies like the size of pencil erasers, you know, and oh, wow. a little bit of sea life. I really wanted to see an orca. We did not get a chance. Um, and then we got to um, where almost to uh, to Canada. And there's, um, if you've seen the tracker, it's hilarious. It goes like this. Yeah. It goes like that. <laughs> it goes and goes for three and a half hours straight across trying to get in. Um, we hurt, hit the ebb, but I mean the flood. And when we hit the flood, what we didn't know is that there is an offshore current there that pushes you kind of like the English Channel, right? Mm-hmm. Pushes you away and we couldn't get through it. So normally like if that was Catalina or Monterey Bay, I would be so, so stressed because I would have enough to like think about that I'm not getting close enough, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I changed somewhere along the lines once that started of, I was breathing late on my right. So I'm critical of my stroke the whole time as well. Like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and I focused on breathing correctly on my right. And a friend of mine who uh, I was just, he was just beginning to swim. Uh, I took him out for about a half hour swim one day to this cove, this cave. And I kept thinking about that swim between each feed, the beginning of the swim, how we got to the buoy, how I told him we'd get to the cave, how he was panicked, where's the cave, how far are we going, that kind of thing. Like process that for, I don't know, for about three hours. Every half hour, I'd start that over and on my right side. So there was no, I didn't, I was kind of like just in this headspace, starting it, replaying it every half hour. When I get there, I get there. Right. Um, and then, um, like I said, I don't like anybody chatting with me on the boat. Oh, it did get, it did get, the, so it did not stay calm. <laughs> At one point I go to breathe and I can see my sister and the uh, observer up on the boat, like above my head. And I thought, oh, it's a little rough for them. I hope nobody's sick. So <laughs> when you're in the water, it's different, you know, it's kind of harder on the boat when it gets like that. Yeah. Um, so, so we did have that to deal with. And then, um, and then at one point, like Chris did so much work trying to like read the water from the flybridge to see an opening to get me in. <clears throat> and then Terry said, she came out and she goes, if you've got anything left, now's the time. I go, okay. Mm-hmm. We've been athletes together for years. Like she knew exactly what I needed. It was perfect. Um, and then it just broke and we got through and I just flew right in. And wow. then, and my sister, like she hadn't been on any swim. So anybody that hasn't been on your swim, like, she's like, how come you didn't go that fast? Like that whole time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not how it works. Not how it works. Um, so, um, so then I, I wasn't sure because I was touching like a rock and did I have to go inside? And it was really rough in there. And I had somebody on the boat that already had a wetsuit on to come in and and help guide me if I had to, you know, touch a different spot. And um, our observer was like, no, that's it. You're in a cove in a spot, you're way inside the line. So mm-hmm. I go, okay. So I swam back to the boat and I'm like, I'm good. And I go to get up. I had nothing. Oh. I had nothing. <laughs> I could not, I had no idea. I, there was, I could not pull myself up. So they finally you know, got my uh, keister up on the boat and, um, and I don't shiver 
Like I didn't shiver except for the ice swim. Like I had to go wow. practice to see what that was like for the ice swim. Oh. And for this, I brought my bike guard and I shivered for the two hour ride back to oh my gosh. Uh, Port Angeles. Yeah. Wow. And so, so Terry and Chris were really interested. They're like, so where I was, if I had missed that spot, they were going to have to take me in somewhere else or to the other side. Like there's, you know, these big bays. Could I have lasted a couple more hours? I go, oh yeah, I guess. You know, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess so. You know, I thought it was fine training. He was going to climb right up that ladder and have, you know, lunch. That right. would happen. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So that was the other third kind of big one. Yeah. Of, wow. um, I guess it was for English channel, but like that's so far out of my, like these seemed, these were definitely more doable. Mm-hmm. That's awesome that you've been able to, uh, yeah, to achieve those dream swims. That's lovely. Yeah, we are out of time, but I want to just ask you one last question. What What advice would you give to an aspiring marathon swimmer? Oh gosh, what advice would I give to them? Wow, um, find um, a reputable group to swim with. Um, people that have done other swims. Um, and find a group that works for you. So I do coach open water swimming too, marathon swimmers and such. And I think the most important thing is finding someone you're like speed with similar goals so that they're, I like to swim alone a lot, but I also like to swim in groups or with one other person that has a similar speed and do kind of adventure swims. Don't just focus, you know, as adults, especially, we all have lives. So when you have to stay home, take care of a sick kid, that's cross training. Right, right. You got a 10,000 day and you didn't get to do it. It's okay. You don't have to make it up during the week. You stayed home and you know you had a flat tire and everybody else went, you didn't. It's really okay. Get the Ben and Jerry's out. Tomorrow's another day. That yeah. was your cross training. Yeah. So that's kind of like the, the big things I would tell people I think uh, you know they think they have to swim like they were in college again and you don't right I, I appreciate that a lot yeah it's uh some something I read a few years ago is like it's all good mental training you know like the when I was up at night with my you know <laughs> baby nursing whatever but it was all good you know like all that stuff goes to work when you get in the water <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you finally have alone time especially if you're a parent like that's yeah. the blissfulness out there exactly. like my son can't call me and say mom can I borrow 20 bucks yeah <laughs> I can't get the phone. Although phones work on the boat. So if you ever crew, hide your phone because that does happen. Mom, the ocean. But while you're swimming, they can't do it. Hug you. It's your time. Yeah. Yes. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Kim. I loved having you as a guest today. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. All right, you guys. Have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. More than just a podcast, did you know that you can watch Marathon Swim Stories on YouTube? Or join us. We meet on Tuesdays at 5.30 a.m. Pacific, 8.30 a.m. Eastern, 13.30 GMT. Check out intrepidwater.com forward slash Marathon Swim Stories to see who's up next. Thank you for listening.